you know, it's difficult to, it's difficult to watch the news or read the news today. Uh, it's not so much news anymore, at least it doesn't seem, it's, it's really people yelling at each other uh, from uh, a pretty wide gap, um, <clears throat> unable or quite frankly unwilling to listen, to, to hear another, <clears throat> another viewpoint, whether it's immigration or uh, tariffs, it's, whether it's gun control or uh, foreign policy, um, we are divided, are we not? I mean, let's be frank, we're, we are divided on some really, really important issues. I think it's come to a head here just in recent weeks uh, to a point where <laughs> there's an issue that's been dividing family and friends in ways, quite frankly, we've not seen since last fall and the November elections. <clears throat> and I am speaking, of course, of whether it's Yanni or it's Laurel. People all over the world are listening to this and arguing about it. Do you hear Yanni or Laurel? Laurel. 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 How does anybody hear Laurel out of that? We're going to discuss. What? Uh, how many hear Laurel? How many hear Yanni? I have no idea how you get Laurel out of that. I mean, from where I'm sitting, it's just nuts. I mean, it's crazy. And um, I, I will say this, you know, and you guys have been tracking this, you know, but it's uh, that what they have come to find out is it's, it's actually related to your IQ. So <laughs> this explains <coughs> Yanny, Yanny, you know, is what they're saying. Um, it, it turns out that, that Solomon has something to say about this. No, not this per se, but um, how we hear, how we listen, uh, what it means to truly hear from God. <laughs> it may surprise you, but listening to a Hebrew is not the same, <clears throat> excuse me, as listening to an American. Um, I don't want you to forget the context, and it's a, we're not gonna laugh much anymore. I'm just gonna say that right now through this message. Um, remember, Solomon is, is inviting us and he's showing us you know, what it means to live life under the sun. And under the sun there, take it this way, without God, but it's also to live with God under the sun on this planet in a fallen world where Y'all, things are wrong. There's something wrong with everything where there is, there's truly an abundance of injustice. Remember that? That's, things are, it's unjust, it's wrong. And there's, uh, th th there's an, or an absence, or an abundance of injustice and an absence of justice. We see that in our world. There's something wrong with everything. And you know what else is in this world that's wrong and you can't escape it? Death, death. He doesn't hide from any of these things. And he's inviting us you know, to say, look, I'm gonna go down this path for you to see is this the way through life? Is this the way to live life? And he pursued pleasure, he, he pursued work, accumulation, he, 
he accomplished a lot. He had a lot of money, had a lot of wealth, a lot of resources, and he pursued uh, wisdom. And when he got down those paths and went to the very end, further than you and I will ever go, he said what? Vanity of vanities. This is, y'all, this is like a breath of air on a cold morning that's there and it's gone. It has no lasting significance. And then in chapter four, Solomon is gonna begin to shift a bit. It's, uh, he'll begin to go from, here's what I observe in life, let me invite you to see these observations too. Here's what I'm going to exhort you in life. So he's gonna begin to tell us some things, you know, about life with God. And last week, Rob picked up the second part of chapter four, and this is where he's beginning to say, let me tell you what life, what life looks like under the sun, but with God. And Rob took that part and said, you know, what Solomon is saying here is that life with God is inseparable from life together. Life with God is, you cannot separate life with God from life with one another, you all. Uh, no one's made to bowl alone. You remember Rob said that. You're going to hear us talk about this uh, a lot because if that's true, then being a part of a community of faith and a church means you don't, you don't, you don't walk through life or church life alone. And so at Fellowship, we have three primary ways you connect and don't go alone. That's a group, a class, or a team. There's other ways, but those are the fundamental ones. And Rob mentioned last week, you know, we're moving to the fall. There'll be some 500 of you moving into groups, and that means we'll need those who lead those groups, facilitate those groups. And I just want to say, in, in, in following up on what he said, we still need leaders. And some of you, again, this is going to tie to the message, but some of you sense, you know, I, it's time for me to step in to lead again. I have in the past. I want to lead again. I want to facilitate a group. Or some of you can and have, and I simply want to say, <clears throat> we need you, and we invite you to step into that role. Now, I want you to open your Bibles if they're not already open to what Heather read. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verses one to seven. Solomon's gonna put the spotlight on our ears. Now, he's gonna have something to say about our tongue, but I want you to understand he starts with the ears, and this is very, very important. And in a way that I didn't see coming, I don't know if you maybe anticipated it, but as he's talking about life under the sun on this planet, he says one of the keys to living life on this fallen world in a way that doesn't lead to vanity of vanities, you know, this life is meaningless, but instead would lead you and I to a life wherein we understand life's a gift. Life's a gift we receive gladly. And on this planet, we live in such a way that our life matters for eternity. And the key is listening. That's, that's, that hits me in the face. It's, it's how we hear. It, it's one of the keys to choosing this life or this life. Now, I'm gonna do something a little different, and this is, I'm gonna say this so that you don't panic. There's seven verses. I'm gonna spend 80% of the time on one, and it's verse one. Because, and I hope you see this as we move through here, when we understand verse one, and I mean really understand it, the implications of it and the application of it, verses two to seven just kind of like boom, boom, boom. It's just gonna fall out. So, so when there's just a few moments left in our service and you're panicked because I haven't moved past one, it's okay because we're gonna hit two to seven very quickly and it will make a lot of sense. But we start with verse, run, verse one. Follow along as I read God's word to us today. Solomon writes, guard your steps. 
as you go to the house of God and draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools. For they do not know that they are doing evil. If I was walking with you and I said to you, Jeff and I are walking, I go, Jeff, watch out. Watch where you're walking. Uh, what, what, would you, what would you do if I said that to you? What would you do if I said, watch your step? What, what would you do, literally? You'd stop, you'd look around. You, you would not go, he means for me to just look at my feet move. No, you would know I said it because we're somewhere doing something that you could hurt yourself. You could make a mistake here. You could step somewhere and harm yourself. You got that? You got to bring that weight to this phrase, guard your steps. He's not just saying, you know, just watch your steps. He's saying, be careful how you walk into the house of God. Now, Solomon's talking about the temple. So we need to, we need to go, well, well, so what does that mean to you and I today? Well, we can, take, we can take that in principle, bring it to you and I today and go, well, we could say it this way. Uh, he's saying, be careful how you walk into church, into where we gather. When we gather as the people of God, as Carl said, you, you need to guard your steps. Now, my guess is that no one in the room, maybe someone, but I doubt anyone in the room from the moment you woke up this morning to the moment you're sitting where you're sitting stopped and said, well, I, I need to be careful how I walk into church today because something could happen in church and I could do something that's dangerous. Did anybody think that? I, I mean, I wouldn't unless I'm reading the passage and studying it. So what Solomon is saying is, uh, you, you, you and I need to be very careful how we come into church because how you come in can be dangerous. You could hurt yourself. I'm telling you, that, like, that, that's sobering to me that he would begin in this way. Now, He doesn't waste any time in saying, let let me tell you about the pothole I'm trying to keep you from stepping in, does he? He immediately tells us, guard your steps as you go into the house of God and draw near to listen rather than offer the sacrifice of fools. In other words, as you come into God's house, be careful you don't offer the sacrifice of fools. Now, I'm gonna talk about that in a moment. I wanna step back first because he says, you come first and draw near to listen. Here's where the Hebrew mind and the American mind don't see eye to eye on this word, listen. The most important word to a Hebrew, this is to the people that this was written for, the most important words in God's word to them, and even to a Jew today, arguably, but I think many would say, is what is called as the Shema, the Shema. It's what, they, what a Jew even today is gonna to repeat every morning, every evening. It comes from Deuteronomy 6 and following. Don't turn there, I'll read it to you, but you'll, you'll, you'll recall this, I believe. There, we read, 
Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Then he goes on, of course, the passage continues. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. He says, uh, these words should be on your heart. He, he says, you need to teach them to your kids. He says, you need to bind them to your, uh, bind them as a sign. He says, you need to write them on your doorpost. So it's the, the, the Shema, though, we catch from that first phrase. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Now it's called the Shema because of the first word. The first word is the word hear, and it's the Hebrew word shema, okay? So I want you to say that out loud with me, shema. And why I want you to say it because I want you to go, this word really matters. Shema, O Israel, and it goes on to instruct them. Now, that word shema uh, is translated hear, give heed, listen, attentively. When we read in our Ecclesiastes passage, he says, draw near to listen. Guess what that word listen is? Shema. So just so you know, it, it, it's Shema. You know, it's that, it's that word here, listen. There is no separate Hebrew word for obey. There's no Hebrew word. There's the, there's the Hebrew word Shema. There's no Hebrew word obey. Because Shema carries within it the understanding that to hear is to obey. This is so fundamental to our faith, and it is so convicting. Let me prove it in this way, if I may. Um, when Abraham offered Isaac, you know, and you know, the angel stopped him and then the angel expressed to Abraham that, you know, I now know that you'll obey. Listen to the words that are used in Genesis twenty-two eighteen. God says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Guess what that word obeyed is in Hebrew? Guess. Yes, it's Shema. But it's translated, you've obeyed my voice. You remember in the gospels, this makes sense to me and I never really understood this, how Jesus would generally say, he's getting ready to say something really important and he would say, he who has what? Ears, let him hear, right? And he'd say it over and over. Do you notice Jesus never said, he never looked at someone and he's saying stuff that's really important. He never said, now I'm gonna tell you something and you need to make sure you do what I tell you. He never said that, why? Because the Jews understood. For Jesus to say, he who has ears, let him hear, is synonymous with him saying, I'm gonna tell you something and you do it. If, if you hear it and don't do it, you haven't heard it. Are you tracking with me, you guys? To hear is to obey for the Hebrew mind and in Jesus's words themselves. Watch your step as you come to church. Be really careful because there's a danger you could hear from God and not do what you heard. I pause right there because I I think we are gathered, we're under the word. I'm not, even, I'm not concerned that you hear me. 
But I do believe the Spirit of God speaks. And he's speaking to some of you. And I'm just warning you, if you hear him and you don't do what you hear, it's very serious. Jesus goes on to say, it's evil. That sounds serious. Draw near to listen rather than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they do not know they are doing evil. It honestly, I thought about this, I thought, let's just close this and let's all just slip out quietly, you know, before we hear. We're accountable for what we hear. Um, What's the sacrifice of fools, okay? Be careful that you come to listen. See that, listen, which means you come to listen, obey, and not offer the sacrifice of fools. Let me tell you a story, I think, that illustrates this. It's a Bible story. Don't turn there. It's 1 Samuel uh, 15. Many of you are familiar with this story. Saul is king. Samuel, the prophet, comes, and he says, God has a word for you. And the word is, you are to go and destroy the Amalekites. Uh, Samuel says, God is now executing judgment. Now, you gotta think about this, because we, we can get tied up in, oh my gosh, they killed men, women. We can get tied up in that. Let me just simply say this, you know, God is, that really did happen. And God is, it's a picture, quite frankly, of God's judgment on sin, okay? And, and he says, you need to go wipe out the Amalekites. He uses the word utterly, Men, women, children, animals, they they need to be eliminated. (laughs) Saul goes, he goes against the Amalekites. He he crushes them. He he destroys them. But he kept alive the king, Agag, brought him back. And he kept the good stuff. He, he, He kept the gold, silver, and some of those things. And he kept the best ox and sheep and goats. He kept the good stuff. Samuel, aware, God knows this. Samuel comes and confronts Saul. Saul, what have you done? And this is that, you know, you guys know the story where Saul says, I did what the Lord commanded. And Samuel says, then what is that lowing of the ox and the bleeding of sheep? And Saul says, well, we, the people kept those good animals to sacrifice to God. He wrapped a spiritual verse around it. And Samuel had none of it and said, you know, you, you've, you've disobeyed God. And, and Saul keeps pushing back. So no, I, I did exactly what God commanded. And Samuel then comes to that verse, and this is the familiar verse, okay? That, that, that many of you would know. He says, Samuel, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, it is, behold to obey is better than sacrifice. You will not believe what word is used here for obey. What word? 
Shema. Shema. So it's, 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 you haven't listened. And he said, no, I have listened. And Samuel says, no, no, because to listen is to obey. When it comes to, you're like, when it, it, to listen is to obey. God, this is, I'm telling you, this will crush you. The sacrifice of fools is rooted in hearing from God, but not doing what God has said. If we take Saul's story, we can actually build upon this. And it gets, in one sense, it gets harder, it gets worse. Because Saul, you see, Saul says, I did what God said. Now track with me, God, for example, God said, I want you to do this. And Saul did this. You with me? I'll do it over here. God said, do this. But Saul did this. He, he didn't do this. He did this. And in Saul's mind, to do part of what God said was to do all of what God said. But what is it in Samuel's mind? To do part of what God said, but not all of what God said, is to do none of what God said. Wow. Whoa. <clears throat> so the sacrifice of fools to hear from God and not do what we had heard precisely as God has told us. New Testament scholar Ian Proven writes, quote, the sacrifice of fools is the careless observance of religion unattached to any genuinely Godward movement of the soul. End quote, let me rephrase that. The sacrifice of fools is acting like a Christian, talking like a Christian, but not being truly Christian in heart and soul. Let me say it again, the sacrifice of fools is to go through the motions of faith with a heart that's far from faith. This is not a message for Williamson County. Well, we live in a county, you know, where everybody just talks about where you go to church. Everybody goes, it's not a message for them. Forget that. This is God's word to you and to me. Let's just keep it in the room. It's a message to you and me to say, be careful when you gather in this room and worship because you could do something very harmful. You could, you could do something very dangerous. You, you could hear from God and then not do what you heard. That's evil. You feel the weight of that, I do. Guard your steps. Be careful. Watch out as you come to church. You may be making the sacrifice of fools. If you hear God saying that to you today, pay attention. Well, he began in verse one with words we hear from God, right? Now I'm gonna show you how everything just kind of goes boom, bloop, bloop, just falls out of that verse. Notice he started with what we hear from God. Now he's gonna talk about what, what God hears from us. You with me? Watch, he's gonna talk about now what we say to God. Notice verse two. Do not be hasty in word or impulsive in thought. That word thought is heart. Don't be impulsive in your heart to bring up a matter in the presence of God for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. I don't know that there's a better 
you know, uh, phrase in that passage or in this whole passage than those last words. Let your words be few. In the presence of God, let your words be few. Well, why would our words be few? I mean, shouldn't we just cry out, talk to God? Well, yes, but what's the context here? We need to understand the most important thing that happens when you and I gather in the, in the, as a church is that we gather to listen to God. I asked you earlier to ask each other, why'd you come to church today? And every reason you gave to someone is a valid reason. But every reason, if it wasn't, well, I'm here to listen to God. And when you say listen, you understand you're saying, I'm here to hear and obey God. <laughs> See, if, if you didn't say that, it's okay. You had all these other reasons. They're valid reasons, but they all stand, rise and fall on the foundational reason. I'm here to hear and obey God. <laughs> that's, that's the priority. That's the foundation. Everything else fits under it or is built upon it. Are you with me on that? So, so if that's true, that we're here to listen, i.e. obey God, then it makes sense that our words would be few. Secondly, and this is where it just falls out of verse one. Notice verses four to six. When you make a vow, now we're talking, <clears throat> when you make a vow to God, do not be late in paying it, for he takes no delight in fools. Pay what you vow. It's better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Do not let your speech, don't let your words cause you to sin. And do not say in the presence of the messenger, this is probably a priest who would come and if you made a vow to God, the priest would make sure you paid your vow. Don't say to that person, uh, it was a mistake. Why should God be angry on account of your voice and destroy the work of your hands? <clears throat> it's not uncommon in, in, in uh, Solomon's day for uh, Hebrews to make vows. Let's take one that's somewhat familiar, I think, for many is uh, Hannah. Hannah, in, uh, for Samuel, is, uh, is Samuel's mom. H Hannah's married to Elkanah, but, but she's barren. She has no children. She goes to the temple and she makes a vow. Eli, the priest, hears her. He thinks she's drunk. What have you been drinking? And she goes, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not drunk. I'm, I'm asking God for a son. And, and, and she makes a vow. She says, God, if you'll give me a son, then, then I will dedicate that boy to you forever. He's gonna be a Levite. He's gonna serve in the priest forever. And lo and behold, you all, God opened Hannah's womb and she had a son. And guess what she named him? Duh. She named him Samuel, which means God hears. And she made that vow, I'm gonna dedicate him. By the way, when she says, I'm gonna dedicate this boy, it's not how we do baby dedications. It's not you know, standing up there and I'm gonna stand in front of the people and say, I dedicate to raising this child in the wisdom and admonition. It's not that dedication. It is, I'm going to give my son to the temple. I'm going to give up my boy and he's gonna live in the temple for the rest of his life. Whew. See, when we hear that, we go, that's crazy, I mean, we never do that today and I get it, that was a different time, a different culture, different, different mindset, et cetera. But Hannah, you all, kept her vow. And so when Samuel was a boy, y'all, we probably would think he was probably six years old. Mom, dad, if you, if you have a child, they're six, could you see yourself having made the promise taking your boy at six and leaving him at the temple? 
You know, we can't even fathom that, okay? So I get that. So let's go, no, <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Well, okay, you wouldn't, but here's what I want you to understand. She kept her vow, and what's, what hasn't changed across the years, okay, is this. Keeping her vow cost her dearly. I really believe this, that for some of us in the room, you're, you're remembering some vows you've made. You're remembering some promises you've made. It's good, that's the spirit. You can't fix them all, I'm not saying that, but I'm just gonna tell you, if you're sitting here today and you're going, I made a promise. Even at great cost, will you keep the promise? It's one of those things you kinda wish, I wish I hadn't come to church today, because I hadn't thought about that in years now. Now I have this promise that I did make. So the second reason that our words are few are, you really need to be careful what you say. You need to be careful when you, you say something, you know, I'm gonna do this. When it came out of your mouth, when it came out of your mouth, you see it's, you're accountable for it. Well, Lord, you're going carrying too far. Well, let me say this, when, when, you and I make a promise. What we don't understand is, in God's eyes, he views us making a promise the same way that he views himself making a promise. So has God ever made a promise that he hasn't kept? The answer is no. And so when you and I make promises, when we give our word, you understand that when we don't keep it, God says, wait, that, that's sin. <laughs> Because you making a promise is no different when I make a promise. Look at verses three and seven. I skipped them because they really are bookends to each section. They say the same thing. One, I think, interprets the other. Look at verse three. It says, for the dream comes through much effort and the voice of a fool through many words. Verse seven, for in many dreams and in many words, there is emptiness. Guess what that word is? It's the same word, meaningless. Habal, Habal, meaningless, vanity, vanity. In many words, there's vanity. Rather, fear God. What, what, what do those two verses mean? I, I think it's along these lines. To come before God unprepared, frivolous, careless, without serious thought and consideration, without guarding your steps, but being hasty, right? Verse four, be hasty or impulsive, verse two in your words. Uh, that's foolish. That's like a person who dreams a lot of dreams. You know, people that just dream dreams, never do anything, never make anything happen. Dream dreams, dreaming dreams. And it's also like a fool because a fool can't shut up. The sobriety of this uh, makes me fear God. It does. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fearful about things I've you know, I'm fearful by word. I wanna shut up right now because I'm going every word I'm accountable for. I think there's a healthy part of that. I said two weeks ago, we started to unpack what does it mean to fear God? It's, you can't really just say it means blah, blah, blah. It's not just that tight. It's, 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 it's orbed. It's got dimensions to fearing God. And I gave you two statements. I said to fear God is to have a wholesome dread of displeasing him, a wholesome dread of displeasing our God. And secondly, it's this phrase I said, it's, a, it's to have a holy awe of God as he's revealed in scripture to go, God, you're, you're God. It's that sense it says in this verse, God's in heaven and we're on earth. You understand when he said that, he's basically saying, don't forget, 
God is God and you're not. Ooh, I better shut up. You know, I better be quiet. I better watch what I say. So it's a holy awe of God is revealed. I'm gonna add a third statement. So it's a wholesome dread, a holy awe. And I think from this passage, I wanna offer this to you. I think it is a humble awareness that to hear God is to obey God. Now, if, you, if we get that, that'll stir something in you. It's a humble awareness that to hear God is to obey God. I'm gonna give you three principles, insights we can glean, then I'm gonna wrap it up with a very practical application we're gonna participate in together. Three principles, I won't unpack these, I think they're self-explanatory, just something to hang our, grab hold of if we may from the passage. Three principles, number one, to listen is to obey. To listen is to obey, they're inseparable. Secondly, to listen is to say less. This is a good guard for us. I mean, if you're gonna look at anything that talks about being a good listener, this makes sense. You say less. To listen is to obey. To listen is to say less. And third, to listen is to keep my promises. There you go. To listen is to obey. To listen is to say less. And to listen is to keep my promises. See, this. You see the difference? A Hebrew thinks listen is this. They know, they know listen is this. We as Americans kind of, kind of go, well, I heard you. <laughs> it's like your kids sometimes. Did you hear, hear me? You know, yeah, I heard you. Well, but you didn't do, but you did, but you, you didn't, I heard you. But you didn't do what I, you know. Not for the Hebrew mind. And may I say this? Not for the Christian. To listen is to obey. I, I, I thought, how do we apply this? And this is where I felt the spirit leading me is I, I want to apply it in prayer. Because, you know, this, is, this, this can feel like, I don't stand a chance. You know, I, I know you can feel that. So I think it's very appropriate that we end in corporate prayer. And so I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and I'm gonna invite you to do some work with God. And I... I believe, I do, simply because God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword that some of you today have heard from God. I don't know what it was, but you've heard. And I wanna invite us to pray along these lines. Father, we come today under your word and it is a weighty word. We understand now that to listen is to obey. I want to invite you to do two things: to confess and repent. I, I, I can't. You know, I don't. We can't do that perfectly. Have all of us heard God and done immediately what He said? I don't think so. And so, may we, as a people, confess and repent. Bring that to the Lord. Ways you've heard but didn't follow through with what you've heard. Would you bring that before the Lord now? I'll invite you to do that on your own.
Father, we recognize to listen is to say less. You, O oh God, created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. We are part of creation that you made. We're on earth. You are God, we are not. May our words be fewer. Would you take a moment now, and again, it's two things, confess and repent. Would you, you confess, maybe as it's been brought to your mind, that you've been way too wordy with God, had more to say than needed to be said, and I invite you to confess that and repent. Father, we recognize that to listen is to keep our promises. That listening and keeping our word are synonymous. Who of us, oh God, can make it through a day, much less a lifetime, and keep our promises? God has brought a promise to your mind, a word that you've not kept, I'm gonna invite you to, to confess you haven't and to repent. also want to invite you that if you, if God did bring something to your mind, he spoke and the spirit brought to your mind, it wasn't there and then it's there because he brought it, a word you've made, a promise you've made that you, that you need to keep and you can, would you ask God to enable you by the power of his spirit to keep that promise and to do it promptly? Oh, Father, this word today that you give us and speak over us and to us, it is a weighty word. And so we cast ourselves at your mercy and we bring to mind this truth. Jesus is the only man who ever listened and obeyed perfectly. Jesus is the only man who ever listened and every word he spoke mattered. He never uttered a syllable that did not matter. 
And Jesus is the only one who listened and kept every promise. And so we come and we hear your word press into us in this way. And God, rather than this word crushing us, we declare that we who have put our faith in Christ, he's our perfect obedience. He is the one who says only what needs to be said. He's the one who has kept every promise and we are in him. We are in him fully and completely. And therefore, it does not move us to a lackadaisical posture. It moves us to gratitude and to know when we fail and we will, we are forgiven. Christ himself is our obedience, our promise keeper. And by your spirit, oh God, you enable us to grow, to grow in listening and obeying, saying less and keeping our promises. Thank you that the fullness of that is Jesus and him alone. In Christ's name.